You're listening to Cross the Line 1524, the Common Man's Podcast. Well, I came here with just one drink, and that's all I got now, don't you think? That's right, that's how it all gets started here at the Rusted Nail Speakeasy, just one drink. Welcome to Cross the Line 1524. We're recording with a live audience as usual. Sit back, relax, and join Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, and myself, Alan Stenger, for the Common Man's Podcast. Cross the line, 1524. Welcome to Cross the Line, 1524. I'm Alan Stenger with... Dwayne Bischoff. We're the 15 side. And Jeff Montag. Ruben Hunt, and we're the 24 side. And our special guest... Mike Gardner. Oh, oh. I can't do it. I was going to play the Magic Geike. I said, I uh, you can just add that in, otherwise known uh, as... Magic Geike. <laughs> we're here. We're getting ready. It's been a great week. Uh, we're getting ready for a phone call from the MUFON Society. Do you guys know what MUFON stands for? I do. And it, what is it? The Mutual UFO Network. Very good. Been around since 1969. It's an all-volunteer network, too. It is. There's a lot it of is. UFO stuff released this week. Yes, this, oh, is gonna yeah. be, this is perfect timing. We planned this about a month ago, and uh, just perfect timing. There were some congressional hearings uh, this week. Um, First time in 50 years they had congressional hearings. Wasn't yeah, so what you don't know is there was only a short blurb that was public, and the rest was behind doors afterwards. Yeah. In the name of uh, sec- national security. National security, yeah. So wait here just a second. He'll give us a call. So we'd like to welcome Ron on our show. Um, Ron is with the MUFON Society, which stands for Mr. Montag. You want to tell Mutual him? UFO Network. Good is deal. Is that right? I believe yes. it is. So, Ron, tell us how that got started and your involvement with it. Well, MUFON was started back around the ending of Project Blue Book. It evolved out of a couple of grassroots civilian UFO study groups um, out of uh, near Wright-Patterson in Ohio, coincidentally enough. And um, when Project Blue Book ended, it was determined by by a, a core group that really that work needed to continue. So the civilian research group, it was Midwest UFO Society or Network or something like that. It evolved into what is MUFON today. And uh, today MUFON is as big and as, uh, as effective as it's ever been, even more. Uh, bigger and better, I would say. Uh, thousands of members worldwide, uh, 600 active field investigators going out and investigating the cases that are worthwhile. And it's just continued to grow into kind of being a community for people that are starting to pay attention to this topic. Because as we get more and more disclosure, we really need to have a place where we can find like-minded people and have the conversations that are just difficult to find. So how did you get... Yeah, how'd you get involved? Uh, I'm a videographer. I own a production company, and I have been kind of dabbling in the UFO field since about 2008 uh, when I I was hired to produce some uh, uh, conferences in Washington, D.C. And so I've made a couple of documentaries about UFOs and won some awards. And and, uh, I ran into MUFON at a conference and I started talking to them about creating MUFON television which is an online 
uh, subscription-based portal where we store all our content and we make original shows. And they liked the idea, so we did a joint venture. So now um, I, I co-own MUFON Television with MUFON. And uh, then recently they just made me their media relations director. Good deal. Good deal. So this is perfect timing to have you on because, of course, earlier this week there was a congressional hearing about UAPs, which we didn't learn a whole lot, except there's a whole lot more noted sightings that they're talking about versus what they talked about last year in the report that told us absolutely nothing. So Pretty much. Yeah, except for the fact that now they do now acknowledge there's something that they can't explain. Yeah, but there's a there was a general Samford back in the early '50s that did the exact same thing. He, he, it was the Air Force was recently formed after uh, World War II. It came out of the Army, and this guy sat at a press conference and said almost verbatim what's being said today. We have these craft; they're doing very um, unexplainable things with certain flight characteristics. We don't understand, and we can confirm that they're not ours, <laughs> and they're, we don't think they're the craft of any of our adversaries and we as the air force are committed to to learning about these and reporting it to the public so if you just take that quote and you just put a different put the script in front of a different face you have what started out in 2017 continues today it's an almost verbatim rehashing of what was previously said Right. And the, that, the way that ended up working out is they started Project Blue Book that was supposed to be a genuine effort to get to the bottom of it. But J. Allen Hynek, one of the guys who ran it, even admits that it was mainly to debunk and create disinformation around the field. While I believe a very mysterious core group of people, uh, something akin to the MJ-12 theories, took over the real investigation, the real crash retrievals, and the real back engineering. And that stuff has been buried inside deep government and deep industry ever since. And now here we are, 2017, we have all these new faces um, basically regurgitating a 70-year-old story and telling us that nothing happened between Blue Book and the beginning of the sightings in the ATIP program in the 2000s, which is just simply not true. Yeah, it's amazing. So with today's technology that everybody has in their hand, whether it's a phone or a camera, it's kind of hard to, you know, turn a blind eye because there are so many reports and something that's cool about the MUFON website, there's actually a page of reports. And I mean, we're not talking 10 reports a month. We're talking 20 reports in a day's time around the world where people have reported aerial phenomena. Uh, so it's not like it's it's just isolated incidents. It's it's out there. People have seen it. People have videotaped it. Obviously, the military's videotaped and released some tape. So it's uh, as the X-Files used to say, the truth is out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's there's substantial evidence that this has been going on since the dawn of humanity. And um, and so it opens up a lot of questions when you look at, well, what, what is our true origins? Um, the, these craft and this technology have been around. And the, the thing that's what's really great about what is supposedly being done now in Congress is that they're talking about it. But what is a little bit underwhelming, to say the least, and, and you know, I can't. MUFON is actively engaged with conversations with these guys, trying to tell them, um, 
you look. This is what's been going on. This is who you talk to. This is where you look. Um, and and they have expressed that they know that they're being basically deceived and not getting the information from the people that should be providing it. But the question comes out of that is, yeah, so what are you going to do about it? You know, Mr. Congressman, are you going to toe the line and continue this narrative that is kind of a modified narrative for the day? Or are you, Congress, really going to start aggressively digging in for the truth? And so that remains to be seen. And I really hope that they are. We're, we're involved more uh, as an organization in um, engaging government than ever before. It was MUFON's database that uh, was responsible for helping Harry Reid to make the decision to create the OSOP ATIP program in the first place. And now, as I said, MUFON has been in Washington, D.C. for three months meeting with key key members of government, and um, we're probably instrumental in, in helping to get these hearings started. Well, as Alan said, I mean, the technology that people carry around with, I mean, we were carrying we're carrying a PC around in our pocket every day with the the grade of camera we have now compared to you know 10 15 years ago you can get such good quality video um it's almost hard to deny the the evidence of being something you know and not just a blip in the in your recording you know a, a piece of fuzz flying across or something like that it's it's obvious you can see that there's something there well, you know, it's it, it's interesting because you bring up a good point about the, the modern technology and cell phone in everybody's pocket. And the fact is that with that, it's it's amazing that there's not a whole lot more. And MUFON gets, you know, 600 reports a month on average, uh, thereabouts. And almost all of them were able to um, come up with a logical explanation as to what it is. And, and so that leaves very few that are unexplainable. And even out of the unexplainable ones, a lot of them kind of lean toward an explanation. And so, you know, the question is, these things are really all out there, then why aren't they being, why do we not have more compelling film? The, you know, you look on YouTube and you see these UFO videos that are like, oh, wow, that's an actual good UFO video. A lot of times they're hoaxed. Yeah, they're produced. Right. Yeah. So, so why don't we have more stuff? And, you know, I think honestly, that as human technology has evolved, the technology of whatever these are uh, has also evolved to, um, to adapt to it. So the fact that we're not photographing UFOs, Tic Tacs flying over every major city every day probably has something to do with the fact that if they want to be seen, they will be seen, and if they don't want to be seen, they won't. And there's a lot of other factors involved that, that we could go into if you want that are kind of complicated that have to do with consciousness and the nature of reality and the connection between all of this stuff. But um, yeah, I'm surprised we don't have better video and better sightings, um, to be honest with you. Well, you talk about the better one. What is the best, what is your best piece of evidence or something you've seen through your time that is the, the wow moment? Well, we certainly have some videos that on fun.com that, that we haven't been able to explain. I think that the uh, consistent appearance of, of Tic Tac-like craft before and after the big reveal from the government shows that there's definitely some kind of craft operating in our airspace that does not necessarily have to obey the laws of physics and that it's been doing it for a long time. You go all the way back to the Foo Fighters of World War II and we're talking about craft that exhibits similar uh, characteristics. There's a new movie coming out 
in September. It's well in fall, not necessarily September, but it's being put out by 1091 um, distributors, the same people that did the phenomenon and uh, all of Stephen Greer's movie. It's called Accidental Truth. And it's a, it's a film I've been working on for a really long time. It's going to tear the band-aid off a lot of this stuff. There we go. There's so, there's what we're watching this fall. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the, the thing is, I've been interviewing people for a very long time um, at conferences. And over the years, I've gotten some, it's almost all of the front-facing guys you see today, uh, Nick Pope, Lou Elizondo, Christopher Mellon, and to a lesser extent, Colonel John Alexander, who you get to meet in the film if you don't already know who he is, mm-hmm. um, basically telling me things by accident that they didn't mean to tell me on purpose. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm parading it out for the world to see. So what? So have you ever witnessed anything? I haven't. You know, I, I, I've done some ghost documentaries, some life after death stuff, where I've had some interesting things happen. But I think that the... Uh, in the book of Universal Fate, I wasn't put here to be an experiencer. I was put here to be a journalist. And I think if I walked out of my house and a uh, flying saucer was hovering over my backyard, it might cloud my uh, perspective. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you make a good point there because you're you're kind of the unbiased outsider looking in, kind of trying to disprove or prove what's being seen. So you have no skin in the game i mean you have no skin in it because i mean you haven't you haven't experienced it so you it, it doesn't change your bias you don't try to sway things to what you perceive versus just what's really happening so i mean i i think you it's probably better if you not that you maybe want to see it but maybe that you don't see it because you keep that um, objectivity yeah that objectivity and that that outsider looking in kind of kind of viewpoint yeah, and then, you know, like my girlfriend, she is an experiencer, and she says, well, Ron, the reason the aliens aren't bothering you is because you are one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, may, we may have a couple of those set around a bar here, too. That's a fact. Yeah, probably, yeah. especially well, after that second or third bourbon. Yeah. yeah. Well, that well, it brings me to one of my questions. I've listened to a few of your podcasts and, and a few of your um, things that are out there, and it, it talks about the hybrids that are already here. So how right how do, how would i mean how how did they how did people experts come to that opinion that there's hybrids already here among us i know how well, they did I that really I, know. I know i know how they did that what's that roddy rowdy roddy piper's movie they live <laughs> <laughs> i i did interview dr david jacobs who's convinced that not only are alien hybrids here but they're living in apartments and paying rent by ripping off banks um <laughs> I, I thought that was sort of an interesting take. Um, and I'm not saying anything negative about his work. I, I respect everybody, but I'm not sure that there's a compelling case for that. Um, the, the idea of a hybridization program, it, you know, it's, it, the, the evidence is mostly uh, just talk, uh, right. recaps. Stuff. We have not gotten a blood test from a human being that shows definitively that they're a hybrid of an alien species <laughs> i've run into some people that do say that and i do know of a case within mufon where it, the, the hybrid dna reptilian dna has possibly been located in a blood test but i haven't it's it's not valid. so you know we don't know what we don't know what what these other beings uh 
why we're here for them. We could be, this whole planet could be just a big genetic farm and a place for experimentation. It could be, we could be being grown for some kind of, of crop. Of, um, <laughs> we're of, just a know. food source. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's, you know that movie Monsters, Inc., David Icke actually <laughs> says that that's true. That there's these interdimensional beings that are capable of feeding off of fear, and so they just take a planet like this and they raise it until... Um, it's bursting at the seams, and then they unleash pandemonium like war and disease. They just suck up the fear. So there's so many weird stories out there. I hope nobody takes that out of context and says that's what I believe. But there's a lot of stuff out there. And um, and the thing is, is it, that what we're learning about the nature of reality is that it can be true and not true at the same time. Right. It complicates the whole topic quite a bit. Uh, so I have a question, uh, Mr. Rubin. Um, I mean, right now, one of the biggest questions that comes out is, you know, whether or not it's real or not real, or whether or not society in general is ready to accept or be exposed to something like this. But for you to be indulged in and involved in what you're doing, you have to have some kind of drive in what you're doing, belief, or whatever you've seen has driven you that direction. Um do you have a problem? I mean, is there something that drives you to keep you focused on this other than just your curiosity as a journalist? Well, you know, it, it, a long time ago when I got into video production and I started late in life and I was in Florida, I had my first studio. And I used to get hired to, you know, film hurricanes. I flew around in, this, in the, the Hurricane Hunters plane through a big hurricane once and Discovery Channel would call me when they came to town. And one week I was doing MTV spring break and, and, uh, and the same day I worked with people that were shooting the Girls Gone Wild show. In the, in the <laughs> now there's some contrast. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're all in for that. It's rough. Uh, well, gosh, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, it's, that sounds really cool on the surface, but when you actually are doing it, 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 it's very empty. It's like you're looking at these these young women doing really stupid stuff, and you're like, you know, this is forever, and you're going to be somebody's mom one day. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so you actually, I mean, you know, unless you're really into that kind of stuff, and I guess some people are, as far as not really understanding the, the moral implications of, of that industry. Right. Um, you know, you kind of walked away kind of feeling empty, and that's what happened to me that day. And I'm like, I'm not doing this for that. I didn't, I didn't get into production for those reasons. Yeah. And um, oddly enough, I found an article by Peter Gersten in UFO magazine about possibility that we're living in a matrix. And I hopped on a plane and went to the International Conference on Science and Consciousness and interviewed all the big scientists at the time, Bill Tiller, Amit Goswami, Dean Rayton, um, uh, uh, John Hoagland and Hagelin, just a bunch of them. And, uh, and I made the first Bigger Question series, and I've just been kind of exploring that stuff ever since. I'm just compelled to use my media career and whatever talent I have to explore the questions facing humanity instead of what's on the next episode of the Kardashians. Yeah, good answer. We applaud you that for yeah, that. Yeah, really. yeah. Well, I I got a question too. Ruben kind of touched on it, but mine's just directly: is do you what do you do you think the public, the general public, could handle it if if the government come out tomorrow and said, "All right, here's the real story." We've got a craft in this, you know, this hangar, and they show a photo of it, and they show a couple photos of bodies. Do you think? What do you think the general public would do? You know, I get asked that question a lot, and I kind of have a unique answer because it is going to be very much related to what the circumstances are surrounding the admission. And what I mean by that is, 
that if the government says, yeah, we've got a craft, we know that there's extraterrestrials around, they don't seem to bother us. Um, and, you know, maybe as we evolve as a species, we'll, we'll interact with them. But, you know, everything's fine. Then everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, cool, and, and go about their business and life's as it is. But if the government says we are completely at the mercy of these of these other beings, we don't know what their agenda is, or even worse, we do. Um, and uh, there's nothing we can do to defend ourselves against them, and, and we just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, then that is a completely different reaction by society. So it's going to be based on the context of the revelation of what the truth actually is. We could have just total shrug it off and life goes on, or we could have total panic, or we could have something in between, just depending on what we're told and right. what is actually happening. So that sort of feeds back on the spoon-fed theory that a world, America or whatever, is spoon-feeding society with movies and stuff to slowly graduate them into being able to experience something like that. That's some. Yeah. That, there's the theories out there like that, right? Yeah, there is. Um, you know, the, we, we call it the slow drip of disclosure. Right. The, you know, obviously back, if you believe the MJ-12 theories and some of these other ones, uh, and so including there were, there were studies done by Congress, I can't remember the name of it, that it, was, it basically said the human society after what happened with um, the uh, War of the World's radio broadcast, it was determined by a group of people. I think it was, it might have been the Robertson panel that I'm I might be wrong, uh, but it was determined by these guys that human society wouldn't be able to accept that knowledge because right. it would upset religion and blah, blah, blah. And so the people that have been in charge of the secret for a variety of reasons continue to just not tell us. Yeah, but I think to your point, you know, the war of the worlds was you were under attack, right? So, right. Right. So the reaction of people that came into that the broadcast in the middle and thought they were under attack reacted like they were under attack direct narrative right as opposed to you know we're talking about the theory about the the slow drip and and how it's presented i guess right um might might uh, be a whole different reaction by the well in the out of touch times of when that did happen with hg wells i mean that was totally very very isolated group of people and you know a very you didn't have direct Very, communication right, like we do today. Communication was only being fed. There was nothing going back. Right. Yeah, right. but but imagine this. This right. is just when they had AM radio to right. listen to. Right. No social media to spread it. Right. right. That's right. I mean, that's what's different in this day and sure, age. Sure. You have social media that spreads like wildfire, whether it's true or not true. Right. And you know the common person doesn't know. Hey, is this a hoax or this Can't is real? Can't articulate the difference. Either. Well, and I think the part where you guys were talking about the new technology. It, for me, it is about, you know, seven, you know, 70 years ago, a lot of this stuff was brought out, but it was a lot easier to squash the story right. because, yes. you know, but now with everybody having, having that right in front of them all oh, the yeah. time, it's a lot easier to, exactly. to back. Well, it's to just, like, back. Just, like, just like talking to Ron right now. I went online. You can find a MUFON society. You know, they have annals and annals of stuff that's been recorded, right. movies. Uh, they do conferences. You know, you didn't have that 50 years ago. Right. right. So, so Ron, yeah, what am I? You know, we have MUFON television now, which is a whole online portal that's included with some levels of MUFON membership or right. available separately. It's got hundreds and hundreds of, of 
um, vetted uh, presentations about the stuff plus my new shows that I do called Space Time and MUFON Presents and all that stuff um, all commercial free and it's right there anybody that really wants to understand the film can hop on here and start perusing and they can catch the whole history pretty quick can yeah. they join you and also become a volunteer through the website yeah yeah if you go to MUFON.com there's different levels of membership and one of the things that's different about what MUFON is today versus yesterday is that it used to be just a core group of uh, researchers that did field investigations. But over time, it's been very clear that it's necessary for MUFON to become more of a generic community. So if you are interested in the topic at all, we have like a new app coming out. We have the TV channel. We're introducing our own social network. This is the place for people that are interested in the UFO field to gather. And it doesn't cost very much. And, and we reinvest that money and just making things better and doing more research uh, so it's it's definitely worth supporting and checking out and there's something there for everybody cool so i'm going to ask you a question and then we're going to take a short break because our glasses are empty oh i hate it when that happens yeah so <laughs> while we're on a break i want you to to think about this question uaps from space or interdimensional with that we'll be right back Looking for a Hyson side-by-side or ATV? How about a youth model Tau-Tau quad or dirt bike? Stop by Hoosier Power Sports at 7892 Schumann Road in St. Leon, Indiana, or visit our website at HoosierPowerSports.com for the latest inventory. We are the Tri-State's largest Hyson and Tau-Tau sales and service center with a large selection in stock all the time. Don't shop the other guys who just want you to leave a deposit and maybe you'll get a side-by-side sometime this year. We've got plenty in stock all the time. Hoosier Power Sports at 7892 Schumann Road in St. Leon, Indiana, or visit our website at HoosierPowerSports.com. Batesville Liquor Co., located in Batesville, Indiana, and Tebby Liquors in Brookville, Indiana. You know it's springtime. Before too long, it's going to be time for boat drinks. And they've got all the ingredients for any boat drink, party drink you might want. Do you have a special drink you want? A special cocktail? Can't find it? Give them a call. They might be able to get it in for you. Barrel Picks, they've got Barrel Picks. They have a couple new ones coming in. Of course, you just heard us talk about Old 55. We'll let you know when that's in. And they've got a couple other ones that'll be in shortly. We'll make sure to let everybody know when those are in. If you're looking for beer, you're looking for wine, you're looking for cocktails, you're looking for bourbon, vodka, tequila, it doesn't matter what it is. Batesville Liquor Co. is a place to go. They're located at 315 Shopping Village in Batesville, Indiana, or check out Tebby Liquor, Main Street in Brookville, Indiana. Tell them the Cross the Line 1524 crew sent you, and make sure to check out that bourbon aisle they got. There's some good picks there. Make sure you friend and follow them on Facebook. They have tastings that they'll post on Facebook, and they'll let you know when new products are in. That's right. Batesville Liquor Co. in Batesville, Indiana. Gilman Home Centers with 14 locations in Indiana and Ohio. You know what? It's time for your lawn and garden needs, and they've got it. Be the envy of your own neighborhood. They've got seeds, they got plants, they have fertilizer and potting soils. Everything to get your garden started. 
tool rails? Do you need a tiller? Or a mini excavator maybe, depending on how big you're doing? They've got them. Check out Gilman Home Center's tool rental section. Last but not least, it's that time of year to start fishing. And check out their fishing supplies and get your fishing license. All at Gilman Home Centers, your one-stop shop for all your home improvement needs. Check them out at gilmanhomecenters.com for the nearest location to you. All right, we're back here with Cross the Line 1524 with our special guest from the MUFON Society. So I gave him a uh, question, Mr. Ron James. His, the question was, UAPs out of this world or interdimensional? So what's your answer? Well, my film Accidental Truth that is coming out shortly explores that very question. And we have interviewed um, Michio Kaku to touch on all of the scientific elements of these questions and for those who don't know who he is he's one of the originators of string theory and he's written more physics books than anybody he's very famous um and so to get him to chime in on such esoteric stuff was a real uh, a real find and i also interviewed colonel john alexander who people do not really know a lot about who he is but john is the guy that was with robert bigelow when he bought skinwalker ranch uh, he went up there the first night and slept on the Mesa by himself. He was involved in the, with the Army in all kinds of uh, um, paranormal research, life after death, uh, working with shamans about psychotropic weapons, all kinds of crazy stuff. And this guy, and he also admitted to me that, that people are going to see in the film that he actually ran a program when everybody says that there were no programs. And his thing is that UFOs from another planet do not explain everything that they have come across. And to have this come from a, from a bona fide government official who could talk about it, he, he told me, and you'll see it in the film, our sensors pick up UFOs from time to time and have ever since we've had sensors. We've detected UFOs a mile wide. We've seen thousands of different types of craft, and a simple extraterrestrial explanation is not enough to describe all of the things that are happening. So like some of the stuff out of Skinwalker Ranch where whatever was going on out there seemed to know in advance what these guys were going to do and prepare <laughs> just little ways to mess with them. So, you know, you can't explain that without bringing in uh, levels of reality, levels of time, uh, levels of space. And so the, the general consensus seems to be moving forward that consciousness is a big part of this. So in other words, you might see a UFO in the sky and it might be there because your perception of reality and the reality that you're living in is very subjective to you. And we're starting to find out just how, how true that is. And so you might see one thing, somebody else might see another thing, and the third person might not see anything at all. And so what that tells us is that there is a, there is a consciousness, nature of reality, interpretation element to the broader spectrum. And when you start looking at, well, maybe we're living in a simulation, which a lot of people seem to think is, is actually true, um, and I, I'm one of them, then anything can be true. They can be, uh, you know, little alien graves from Zeta Reticuli. Um, they can be coming from inside Minimum. the Earth. Uh, you know, all, all of the above is most likely going to be the answer. All of the above and things that we just don't even know and can't even fathom. Is gonna, it's going to take that to pretty much explain all of the things that we see. 
And um, so the, the UFO phenomenon is calling us to a broader understanding of our very existence and the nature of our reality. And that's when it gets to be a, you know, a lot to swallow. But that's, that's where it's going, and that's really what it's ultimately about. So you brought up uh, <laughs> Skinwalker <laughs> Ranch several times. So we are, um, I'm going to say, huge uh, followers, fans uh, of the show that's currently on now. Uh, sure. Of course, Brandon Fugel owns the property now, and uh, History Channel uh, has a Prometheus-produced show, Skinwalker yep. Ranch. And it is very interesting, to say the least. It is. And, um, you know, we've had some involvement in that show. We've helped them with some stuff that I can't talk about. But, um, the uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with the whole Skinwalker Ranch story. A a lot of people don't know this, but the ATIP program that Lou Elizondo came public with, it was not originally that. It was originally the ASAP program. And it encompassed, it encompassed a lot of paranormal studies. And it started, you know, studies at Skinwalker Ranch. There was a time when um, uh, Robert Bigelow had his own group of people in there. Uh, and then afterwards, he got the contract from the Defense Intelligence Agency. And there was a time when that place was crawling with, uh, with special forces guys uh, and, and government guys all trying to figure out what was going on. And so that eventually turned into the ATIP program because they, they found themselves so overwhelmed with information that they weren't really able to, um, to make any sense out of it all. And so they refocused the program on just trying to, to look at this unidentified aerial phenomenon. And I don't know what happened to the research that was going on at the ranch, um, but I'm sure at Bigelow Aerospace, and I'll tell you a funny story, um, there are files and files and files that the whole world would love to see. <laughs> well, it's amazing just the stuff that we see with the current ownership of right. Skinwalker and what they're put, putting out. I mean, if you don't walk away from that show, scratch your head wondering what's going on. And it's not, and they're using technology. They're, it's not pie in the sky. They're using right. technology. And, you know, when, when the Plains Altimeter tells them they're 62 feet below sea level right there's something's funky there and it's multiple times it's not just you know maybe there's a malfunction on one altimeter it's six of them that are saying the same exact thing there's 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 a phenomena going on there and i the question is what's causing it in different aircraft too like last year uh, one of the episodes they're flying a helicopter through and all of a sudden there's something 50 feet below their aircraft and they don't see nothing. They, you know, and the pilot starts getting nervous. So they abort the thing. Well, then they go back and watch the video and they see the gray streak go underneath the helicopter. So it's, I mean, for, for entertainment purposes, they do a real good job of, of putting the show through. And like Alan said, if you, at the end of the show, you don't start to wonder, you know, just what is really out there. I don't, I don't, you're just not paying attention. Yeah, you know, the, my concern about that show is that it's just going to turn out to be another Curse of Oak Island. Easy <laughs> now, easy now. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. Seasons in, it's like, you can't find that damn treasure. Find <laughs> <laughs> us some other diggers, man. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I, I'm not looking forward to 12 seasons of, what was that, running through the right. <laughs> Wood? No, was it no, wood? More wood? wood? That would be rock. Another rock? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just let's just get to the point, fellas. 
But John Alexander spent as much time out there as anybody in the beginning, and he is convinced that there is a sentient, conscious entity involved in this, and that that entity is very uh, cantankerous, sometimes even dangerous, and that yeah. it literally has the ability to, to see things that haven't happened yet and to do things that are based on people's thoughts. So, and this has been pretty well documented, the book about uh, by George Knapp and Colin Kelleher, and uh, I think it's Latatsky just came out, uh, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. It talks about some of that stuff, a lot of it actually, um, and it's it's very revealing. Well, the physical harm that's happened to a couple of the people on the in the cast you know, the one gentleman, his head swelled up, had to go to the emergency room and, you know, very serious. And uh, the one gentleman got rad- or, uh, radiation burns, you know, after they open a well. And it's just and then they go back a couple of days later and there's nothing there. It's just there is some really just strange things that happen. There is. And, and it's, it's really pointing to the multifaceted answer to these mysteries. And if they exist for no other reason than to... Uh, give us proof that we're living in a questionable reality then then they're doing their job so ron we, we talk a little bit about skinwalker ranch and then when we were kids the bermuda triangle was all uh-huh. the discussion right so are there are there areas in the world where this these phenomena seem to occur more often right. than others well you know i <clears throat> whatever's causing this to happen be it a, a thinness in the membrane between dimensions, be it underground anomalies, like a, a, this appears to be a factor at Skinwalker Ranch. There's definitely places in the earth. I live here in Sedona, and they talk about vortexes and stuff, and that all sounds woo-woo, until they bring in scientific instruments, and they, they actually can register unexplainable electromagnetic anomalies here in, in Sedona. And there's stories of all kinds of stuff, UFO activity, there's actually a ranch just south of here that I've been doing an investigation at. I put game cameras out there for six months um, that supposedly has an interdimensional portal. And uh, people have shown me what they say are pictures of it. So I think there's all kinds of places around the earth that have these strange properties. And what's interesting is that a lot of sacred sites um, are built on these sites. So there's, so people have known about it for, for a really long time. So... Do you have any, uh, and I have not looked through your documentaries or anything of what you have or any videos, but anything that's related directly to like pyramids or anything like that throughout what you're doing? I haven't done any of that kind of stuff. I have a friend named Jennifer Stein who is do, who is doing some work in that. She's been out at Tobekli, Tobekli Penky. I can't even remember how you pronounce it. Right. She, she's been doing a lot of shooting out there. Um, and, uh, she's really into the geographical stuff so she's going out with a video camera her and i produced the true story of travis walton together and she's doing some work on that i i haven't i'm i'm working on um my main thing with the ufo thing is just ripping the band-aid off the lies yeah i was in belize uh, in 2017 and uh Zatunovich, which is an a uncovered uncovered area there it was 1985 and it's laid out the same as Giza. And the guy was explaining to us that they they did a measurement of the pyramids there in the morning Giza, and they were, they were the same. And I just wanted, you know, a lot of it pushes back towards some extraterrestrial or possibility of, like, portal movement or something around that. And if you have you experienced or talked to anybody about that. Yeah, I mean, 
there's people that say there could be an extraterrestrial background to this. I think the, the, the pyramids, especially these new things that we're finding and what we have yet to announce that we found in Antarctica, they point to the idea that there's been advanced civilizations on this planet for a really long time, and that they've come and gone and evolved and changed. Yeah, there's actually so, lithographs of right. what appears to be an astronaut, yes. thousands and thousands oh, yeah. of years old. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. So what's your theory about uh, ancient aliens, ancient astronauts? I think there's a good case for it. You know, the, uh, the if you go back into, for people that that have read Genesis Revisited, revisited and, and appreciate the work that Zach did, um, there's also people that are very skeptical of his translations. But it actually makes sense. So when you have something that is a lore, that has been written down at a time that was the very first writing that humanity ever discovered was back in those days with those people and um the fact that they would write this this story uh telling about the uh the interaction with the anunnaki and the extraterrestrials and the yeah. genetic manipulation um it seems that if you had just discovered writing you wouldn't be writing a, a fiction novel <laughs> or a movie script right you would be document you'd be documenting what was going on and um it, it, it makes a lot of sense. There's, there's, there's missing links in our genetic chain. There's genetic anomalies. We seem perfectly engineered. And, um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the five fingers, two eyes, the bipedal structure, the, the musculature, the organs, that very, very, uh, the odds that, that it happened spontaneously through some kind of organic, um, undirected evolution is, is pretty hard to swallow. Tons of theories out there. Don't have yeah, the answer so you kind yet. Of have yeah, to what resonates with you, and, right. and and you always have to be able to say, you know, that this this makes a certain amount of sense, but I, I'm not in a position to quote it as fact. And there are some things because I get asked this a lot, and people are like, "Well, what what would you sign off on?" And there's so many weird stories out there, and I I'm not jumping into whether they're true or not. You know, there's people out there who says they worked on bases in Mars, and I'm like, "Well, maybe they did." Or maybe it was a dream. Who knows? But the uh, what what I think we could reasonably ascertain is that there's a tremendous amount of um, evidence of some kind of non-human intelligence interacting with the human race, and for a very long time, there's a certain amount of evidence that that we may have been genetically uh, manipulated into the beings that we are today. And there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that the government knows a lot more than they're telling us <laughs> about the truth. So those things, I mean, when I was interviewing Ralph Blumenthal for the film, he's the guy that wrote the story that, that broke in the New York Times about ATIP. We both agreed that what we can reasonably prove right now, or at least put up a fair amount of evidence for, is compelling enough without having to, to dig around looking for, for things that, that don't have that strong backing. So the stuff that's going to unfold in Accidental Truth is going, it's, it's, it's a mainstream film. We're not going off into, into strange theories. We've let these guys that are the ones who have been telling us what they supposedly know, we just do multiple interviews of them and parade in front of the audience all the ways they've managed to contradict themselves over the years. So... So with MUFON, and again, I, I'm assuming it has a pretty worldwide uh, membership, right? So um, 
are there other are there other parts of the world that you you get a lot more interaction from you know are there other countries that seem to be more uh into these theories than others well i mean you know you can't a country can't have a theory so it, it, it's you know are there other places in the world where there's a lot of interest right uh, china surprisingly um although we don't have a huge presence in china but we, i think we have some um South America, Brazil in particular, uh, there's a lot of interest in Russia. Mufan had a big presence in Russia before this whole war thing. Um, so, yeah, it, pretty much anywhere there's uh, – the, the whole world is curious. And there's there's people that are interested in this topic all over the place. And there's people in foreign countries that don't get a lot of attention that are doing some pretty important work. And so it's it's a worldwide phenomenon – and uh, it, it attracts the same percentage of interest uh, across demographics from any population. Okay. Cool. Cool. You know, I'd said from the past that, you know, we only know what we know. And it's, it, lack of a better word, we're arrogant to believe that we're the only ones in the universe because we haven't been able to prove or travel to other places. But, uh, you know, for us being, and let's use a crystal Christian turns to being God's born world. We don't know what He's done on other worlds. We only know what we've done on ours, if that's the case. So it's interesting to listen to what other people's theories are behind this. You know, that's a that's a really good point because the acknowledgement of extraterrestrial civilizations, even intelligent ones, even ones that are integrating with us, does not. It is still perceived by some people as a threat to religious doctrine. And my, my viewpoint is, is that it doesn't have to. No, it and, doesn't. You know, the Catholic Church has come out and said that, that extraterrestrial life wouldn't endanger, you know, Catholicism. And, um, and, and one of the things that's very interesting about what's going on inside the Pentagon and, and why the ATIP program had problems and why there's so much internal strife is because there are huge elements within government that think that this has some kind of religious demonic edge to it and therefore shouldn't be touched or interfered with. And I was very surprised when I talked to Lou Elizondo and he actually told me that uh, because I didn't think that, that that would be still going on in the 21st century, but it is. Well, I mean, if you think about, I mean, if you look at the divine proportions and how the body and everything in the United States is divinely proportioned, everything in the world is divinely proportioned as far as that goes, but you think about it in those terms, it was designed by a higher intelligence to mathematically, and you could do it mathematically, break it down correctly and equally across the board through this divine intervention, you you know that there's something intelligent behind us. And it could be a greater power or equal power, I don't know. But uh, divine proportion is something that a lot of people don't understand and don't ever read on, but you should. Um, well, no, you're talking about sacred geometry, things like yes. the Nazi sequence and pi. Yeah, and and that is rampant through the universe, and it, I actually believe that that points to um, to the fact that, that our actual physical reality is an energy based simulation, and um, when you look at what we know about physics, you know, let's take this point by point. We know that that matter 
doesn't really exist. It is atoms vibrating at a certain frequency to create an illusion of matter that our brains and, and senses are able to interpret. So basically, it's a wireframe grid like a computer algorithm, like a, like a video game, where it appears when it needs to appear, but in its, in its liquid state, it's just, it's just vibration. And then you look at the things you were talking about, the whole universe is laid out um, it operates on algorithms, actually very simple algorithms that make everything function. So, and then we have the laws of physics, which uh, we've been able to prove that the laws of physics sometimes are able to disobey themselves. Um, just what we know about the, the, the universe and the nature of physical reality, it tells us that it, it functions very much as a simulation would. Um, so it's not that far-fetched, you know, it's not like we're sitting in a PC somewhere on a hard drive, but if you look at quantum computing or you look at the fact that a computer doesn't necessarily have to be a physical thing, it can be an, a, a massive energy that executes equations, which appears to be what we're, what we're in. So it's, uh, and, and so, you know, for that to not be intelligently designed would be, would be ridiculous. Of course it's intelligently designed. Uh, very, very much so. Well, and, um, well, we have the physical proofs here with us to prove that, and that it, there's some kind of intelligent design of amongst us, whether it's godly or what we see as godly is. Um, but you know, it's nice to hear a different view of that. But I, I honestly wasn't thinking about realities or alternative realities or programmed realities based on your terms. <coughs> but you know, as I look at things, and I think if God created us as as gradually proportioned equally across the map on every organism there is on earth it is gradually proportioned and and then you see this and i hear the term of what you're saying is it's programmed that way it seems a little it gives me a little bit different thought process on that well it's i, I you know the thing is is the mechanism that i've described does not preclude a master intelligence behind it and so um the, the, the idea of God or the sum of all consciousness or however people want to take it across their religious spectrums does not the, the, the system still has to work it's a, you know it still has to have a mechanism that makes it possible and so uh, rather God created the universe or it came out of some black uh, burst of nothing which makes no sense to me either um, the, the actual mechanism that, that creates physical reality and creates our consciousness and, and gives rise to our experience, it, it does still have to function through a process. And so, as we we're, we're not we're really on the same page. I have absolutely no doubt of intelligent design or God or however you want to say it. Right. Um, but the uh, all I'm saying is yes, you can take that for granted. But you know, there still has to be a way that it works. Yeah. So. So I just want to say this conversation is getting way deeper than most conversations around. And, and just so you know, the, the, the gentleman that's talking to you about that, Ron, doesn't believe that we've ever landed on the moon. And I, and I want to say, Ruben, I appreciate when you're talking about intelligent design, you're looking at me. I, I, I think that was a compliment. Man, you're about as intelligently and portionally designed as anybody. Right? Uh, yeah, he's not really looking at you. He's looking at your glass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably it, it, Only a supreme being could make a bourbon like that. <laughs> hey, that's right. There you go. All right, I, I'm going to run us down a rabbit hole. So uh, maybe a conspiracy theory or whatever. We, we aren't down one already. Well, <laughs> th th this one's going to take you way down it. So 
you know, the last few years, every you know, everybody hears this new world order and, you know, you see the governments, everybody's trying to align and everything's moving towards one source. And I've been listening, listening to podcasts. Listen, so my mind starts wandering. And do you think or is there a possibility you think that maybe there's already been contact with leaders and that has been the directive or whatever is to, hey, you guys need to get in line and get everybody on one page before we make contact or we're just going to show up? Well, I definitely think that it's quite possible that governments uh, have been in contact with some of these species. There's a big story about Eisenhower making a treaty that allowed them to do a certain amount of abductions in exchange for you know leaving us alone. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there, but you know, this is going to be what I'm about to say is going to be very, very unpopular. Um, but one world government is not such a bad idea. The problem is it has to be a good government based right. on, on compassion for the people. Right. Um, and, and I, and I, I often wonder that, you know, we have got the Chinese social experiment, which God forbid, that's how it turns out. Right. Uh, we have, we have the democratic experiment, which works pretty well as long as there's no corruption. We have what <laughs> which, yes, <laughs> there never has not been. Um, well, I mean, you know, with the, the, the U S system is it, for all of its faults is the least corrupt one of anything we've seen in the world. Fair right? enough. Still the best there is. That's right. Yeah. So if we could get a if we could get a corruption free one world government, humanity would really start to have its act together. Right. But unfortunately, there's too many obstacles and too many human faults right. that it would just screw that up. But I'm sure that having the planet being run properly, um, in a in a way that everybody has has a shot and everybody's taken care of, and we make intelligent decisions collectively, would definitely earn us a few points with our space friends. There, there's a possibility of a galactic federation of, of spacefaring races that are overseeing what's happening on Earth, or at least observing it. And <laughs> Your Trekkies are showing here now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of people talking about that. Yeah. Um, and I said possibility. I didn't say I believe it. Well, it but, does make uh, sense. I mean... In, in in the big picture of it, it does make sense to have one voice to communicate with whatever versus however many hundred, you know, voices there are now. So while we're down this rabbit hole, so we've <laughs> Keep you know, digging. The, the United States has started the Space Force, Ron. So from your perspective, is is that more likely uh, having to do with the, defending ourselves from other other earthly uh, entities or is that more about extraterrestrial defense? Well, you know, when I, I did a whole video on this and put it on YouTube, I was pretty amazed to find out that apparently the only person who pays any attention to this stuff who didn't know we had a space force was Donald Trump. We've had a space force for years. I produced a citizen hearing on disclosure and Senator Mike Gravel accidentally let it slip on the panel. That, that we have a space force. It's been a, an independent branch of the Air Force for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And then if you listen to all the conspiracy people, look, you know, there's some people that say we've got fleets of spaceships. I don't know if that's true, but, um, you know, we've had a space force for a long time. And, and the threat narrative seems to sell. I don't know why they're pushing it. They're still pushing it in Congress. I think that the way it was explained to me is that if there wasn't an element of threat 
to this, there wouldn't be the kind of interest from the body politic in getting to the bottom of it. So this threat narrative that we keep having to push is um, it's serving whatever purpose. But let's face it, if these guys have the technology to make ships move like they do. And <laughs> it, there's nothing we can do if we get on their bad side. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, this fear drives cost, and cost drives money, and money drives votes, and you know, it's all that's revolved around that. But like this, I, you know, on the question of space force, my only question is: is it for good or is it for bad? Is it for learning or is it for defense? It's to prove that man landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have to say that I spent a, very, a, a, a lot of time. Uh, intimately having conversations with Edgar Mitchell and I, I, I am not somebody who believes he did not go to the moon. There I you think go. They probably, <laughs> they probably had a studio set up. Um, that what? I, that's I have true. a, su- I have an equal supporter. No, he said <laughs> no. no. no, no. Let, Let him finish. On. Let him finish. Yeah. They, they had this in case things went horribly wrong. They didn't broadcast a huge United States embarrassment to the world. And so that that probably existed, and who knows? Maybe some of the images that we see were from that. But we did send craft to the moon. Eric, uh, I'm sorry, um, Edgar Mitchell did walk on the moon. Edgar Mitchell had a profound spiritual experience on the way back from the moon um, that changed his life and led him into founding the Institute of Noetic Sciences and um, and really being he was he was profoundly moved. And I talked to him at length about this. I'm just that you know I'm pretty good judge of having interviewed hundreds of people when people are are being forthcoming. And I asked him point blank, "What do you say about people that say we never went?" Because I, I said, "Dude, I was there. I really did. It's uh, it's ridiculous for people to say that that didn't happen." There you go, Ruben. There you go. That's <laughs> right. That's it gives me an option to read on, right? So, do you think our our push, so our 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 push to space? I mean. Uh, obviously, we're trying to we're doing stuff on Mars now, and and want to go back to the moon. Do you think that will speed up, uh, perhaps more, if it is extraterrestrial? Do you think it'll speed uh, more contact up than we have now because we are out there? Well, yeah. I mean, as we become spacefaring, we're going to be entering into a whole new arena. And if there are other spacefaring creatures, they're going to look at us differently that we're no longer confined. Right. So I'm one of the Trekkies here, and Mike across from me is too. And <laughs> and that's the whole basis that you know, I know that's science fiction, but there's a lot of things from Star Trek that became real. So the yeah. whole first contact, that scenario is very much, uh, you know, where our space program is headed. Uh, you know, not now, obviously, but 50 years from now, we're going to, uh, what our capabilities are, are going to uh, put us past the moon without any problems. So um, if there are, I mean, at that point in time, I would think if there there is some sort of uh, conglomerate or, or intergalactic group out there, they're going to want to reach out. So that's... If they, if they haven't already, I think yes, that we have real contact um for a long time, all the way back to ancient humanity, says that we interacted with aliens. We had the Greek god, you know. But there's there's all kinds of stories of that. Um, and then, of course, when we started blowing up nukes in Hiroshima, that definitely seemed to have attracted some attention. So you asked me earlier about the space force, of course, for good or evil. Um, 
I think that the Space Force is just going to be there to explore technology to keep up with uh, the space ambitions of our rival countries. And also, you know, it's going to it's going to do all of the things related to space, um, things that, that we'll find out about and things that we want and probably preparing defense for the planet will probably be one of those things as well. Good deal. Good deal. I'll tell you what, this has been a great podcast. Why don't you plug that your the movie that's coming out a little bit more so folks have nowhere to, they're going to be able to find it. And then, uh, you know, a little bit about the Move On Society as well, website and all that good kind of stuff. Sure. So the, uh, the well, actually, let me talk. We've got the symposium coming up. Move On has. Yes, yes. It's, it's International Symposium coming up. I think it's July 7th through 10th in Colorado. But you can also pick up the live stream. We've got a lot of really interesting guests and theme of UFOs in the media. And uh, you can find out about that at MufonSymposium.com. Um, and you can buy the live stream for the entire event for $79. But what's really cool is with that $79, you get a whole year of access to the MUFON television channel, which has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos, not a single ad, not a single commercial. We don't track people with cookies. It's just there. And so 79 bucks gets you the symposium live stream and, um, and all of it, the access to our entire catalog of media. And so that's a pretty good, that's deal. a pretty good deal right there. And then, uh, the film accidental truth is going to come out sometime in fall. Um, and it's basically, uh, all about the, the fact that we have these front facing people now that are coming in front of us and they're, and they're talking to us, but they, they openly tell us I have information, but I can't give it to you because it's, it's, it's under security. And we, we explore, well, is that even really right? If you have information that would change the course of humanity, don't you owe that to us? No matter what oath you took or promise that you made. And so we explore both sides of those stories. And then we uh, we look at some of the slip ups that have been that have happened um, regarding things like materials and crashed UFOs. Um, and I do some I do some funny stuff. You know, one of the things that that uh, has really been bothering me is that the, there was a story that came out in the New York Times about materials uh, crash debris being studied at Bigelow Aerospace, and that story was confirmed by George Knapp many times. He reported it as fact, and then all of a sudden the story changed and the story was we built the, the the facilities for to house and study materials but guess what we never got them and so um <laughs> i did a little more digging and, and i actually have documents that prove that they did have them and that they have consciously changed the story um and so i, I was just in las vegas and i went out and i just wanted to shoot some b-roll of bigelow aerospace try to get robert bigelow to uh to give me an interview, which which I have not been successful at, but um, I was driving around the facility, taking out my camera and shooting it from all different angles, and I noticed that I was being followed by a black SUV. So <laughs> I went back to my hotel, and the next day I went to Home Depot and bought a lawn chair. I pulled up right in the back entrance of Bigelow Aerospace. I set the <laughs> lawn chair up right right outside the thing, set up a shot so that you see the Bigelow logo and the famous alien thing. And me sitting in a lawn chair, and I sat there with the video camera interviewing myself for half an hour, just waiting to see if the black SUV showed up again. <laughs> so no luck with the black SUV? 
No luck with the black SUV, but I did get circled by a helicopter. There you go. There it is. Yeah. Just men and black guys. But you know that's the nature of this film. It's like we're not we're we're not pulling any punches anymore. It's like the the, the some of these people have managed to kind of um, kind of put themselves in a difficult position, and you're going to see it. And the the truth that comes out of the film is is inescapable, and a lot of people have a lot of explaining to do. Well, it's like we said, everything is 24-7 now, so it's it's almost impossible to hide. What you could hide 50 years ago, you can't right. anymore. I mean, it's there's it's just there, and it's nonstop being pushed to you. Right or wrong, it's being pushed at you. Yeah, and I mean, I as, as, as a person who's been looking at this for a long time and realizing the depth of the, of the deception and, and the lengths they're going to to keep it from us, uh, I find it very frustrating. I find it ridiculous. I find it unacceptable. And, and it's just like, enough already. And so there's a lot of people out there making softball UFO documentaries. This is not that. Cool. We're, we are looking forward to it. Looking forward it to it. Might be a movie night. I think it will speakeasy. be. Movie night at the speakeasy. <laughs> so I'll send you, you know what? I've got a, I've got a, a first look. I keep having to take it down because because I'm not supposed to be showing it to a lot of people. So I make it private and then I make it unlisted. I can send it to you. I can send you the link right now, but you'll have to look at it like right after we get off the phone. We, hey, we'll do that. We'll do that. Not a problem. So, so, yeah, I'll send you that. Good right deal. So we'd like to thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a great podcast, a little eye-opening for everybody. Hopefully our listeners aren't freaked out. Um, it's not War of the Worlds. But, you know, got, there, there's something going on out there. We've talked about it before on our show, and it's nice to get an expert on besides just the, the group of us on here throwing our theories out. So Yeah, we appreciate yeah, you dude, taking man, time. I, I forgot to even really look into what your podcast is. It would be pretty funny if your audience was um, uh, you know, somebody that wasn't familiar with this at all. Well, yeah, so we cover a wide range of things. So there, there'll be some of our listeners that won't be into this. Other listeners will be like, holy crap. So we, we cover a wide range of things. We do everything from Oak Island <laughs> to, <laughs> to uh, you know, interviewing uh, distillers from uh, bourbon distilleries, uh, interviewing folks from TV, just all kind of stuff. Music. Yeah. We're, we're a, we call ourselves the Common Man's Co- Podcast. We're a group of regular guys talking about everyday things around a bar. So, Well, you know what I want to see? I want to see another round of scotch aged in oak island oak <laughs> yeah there you go there you there go that may be the only treasure we ever maybe get they out. dig it up up there you yeah. know what you just probably gave somebody an idea i, I see next year there'll be an oak island scotch being well sold. the problem is there's no more of those oak trees there they'll find something yeah. <laughs> oh yeah look at all that wood they're dredging it's up. in yeah. the swamp yeah. old yeah, wood yeah. new wood yeah, wet and out. muddy woods what that is <laughs> So, like we talked about, we're we're a little more into bourbon, although that we're not, you know, we don't have a great distinction between our alcohols. We'll jump from one to the other pretty easily. But I think that, you know, that's Scotch, like me. I'm a connoisseur of a fine Cabernet Sauvignon. So after our, the first bottle, but if I want more than that, I'm pretty much going at the box. Yeah, there you go. So normally our wives are all here as well. We call them table 12 because they're at the table in the back. They're into the whole wine thing, but they're yep. not here tonight. So we do have some scotch at the bar. It's right behind you, Dwayne. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's right behind yeah, so And uh, if, if I may be 
I, I think the scotch wouldn't exist if it weren't for bourbon because don't they now need those bourbon barrels for well, scotch, yeah, is scotch. Lot, scotch is a lot older than bourbon. That's yeah, true. but I mean, uh, I think they're using. I, I think they're using the the, 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 the once bourbon used barrels. bourbon barrels. Yeah, are shipped yeah. overseas to yeah. make the scotch. So, yeah. yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Well, we'll let you go, Ron. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Great interview. Right, Thank I you. I just emailed you that link. I, I could give you about maybe ten minutes to take a look at it. Like, I saw oh, it pop up on the screen. Yeah, we're gonna get off of here and watch a little. Uh, Ron James filmography. So I'm Alan Stanger with Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hutt, Mike Gardner, and our special guest, Ron James. And we'll see you next Thanks, time. Thanks, sir. Oh, what a great interview we had with Mr. Ron James from the MUFON Society. Uh, keep a lookout for his movie coming out. And then check out their webpage, the MUFON Society. Uh, you know, the question's out there Are we alone? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, so it's an interesting topic. As always, if you like our podcast, please leave us a positive comment and a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you use to listen to us. We're on all of them. Uh, it's like 20 or 30 different apps out there now. It's crazy the amount of the listens we get from apps I didn't even know existed. So once again, for Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, myself, Alan Stanger, Thank you for listening to Cross the Line, 1524. Out the door.